Dad Bod Rap Pod, another week of house arrest, but we are still doing the thing here. My name is Damone Carter, AKA Dem One. I am joined by Nate Young Wolverine Blanc, LeBlanc, excuse me. Uh, how's it going, man? Uh, better if I could see my barber, but you know, all uh, of a everything, everything is fine. It's been a, it's, it's fine. I'm doing fine compared to yeah. a lot of people. I'm doing great. So I'm, yeah. I'm fine. I'm grateful, but yeah, you know, it, even for me and my social distancing self, uh, I'd love to go to the beach. That, that sounds right? really nice. Like that's just like right. an option to go and do something else besides watch movies and listen to records would be pretty tight. Yeah. But on the bright side, you are growing out your, uh, French Canadian large professor beard. Pretty which, majestic uh, right now, I have yeah. to say. Yeah. Uh, we, we're, we're actually on Zoom, so um, if you hear first us... First time we've each seen other, each other in six weeks? Something like that. Yeah, it's yeah. been a minute. Because um, I think the last time we as a collective met up, it was for the Edgewiser, Edgewise and Plattern mm-hmm. interview, and you were you were not around that night. That was when the no. shit like, really hit the fan. I think they found out Rudy, Rudy Gobert... Mm-hmm. I blame Rudy personally. <laughs> I think it was he was the super contagion that really sparked this whole shit over here. So he's the offensive player of the year. Oh, ouch, <laughs> ouch! Um, Going for his defense. Yes. Yeah. No. I I remember that night because I while I missed the session, I called in sick and then showed up at the show uh, <laughs> later that evening. They pointed at me like you you here, um, and that was the last night of uh. No, I went out that week. That's a funny week. I went out on a Wednesday night, and I went out on the Thursday night before Shelter in Place hit. And I don't know why. Two, I felt two so- rare occasions. Good thing you did. Bro, I, I felt compelled to. I was like, man, I just need to get out here. And it was, it was hard week at work. I'm like, I'm going to drink uh, and party in a way that I haven't in about a decade. Let's, yeah. Um, so... You know, but yeah, I'm like you. I, I would like to do different things. I would like not to look like uh, a young Cornell West <laughs> hair, but um, in general, doing okay. Um, shout outs to Dave Ma. He's he's underwater on some work things, so he he won't be joining us tonight. Um, but yeah, in a general sense, I'm healthy. Family's healthy. Uh, we hope all listeners out there that uh, you're on a similar wave and just you know trying to ride this shit out, man. Yeah. Agreed. Um, it's it's been an interesting time for the interviews. Um, I do feel compelled to like check in with everyone in like a personal way at the top of the interview, and we still have one interview which I'm really excited to play for you guys. Banked. That's from so far before this was a thing. And before time. Yeah, the before yeah. times. Um, it's it's gonna. I don't know if it'll sound weird or what. It's a good interview. I just want like we're deploying it uh, based on the artist's release schedule and this will for savvy listeners you'll know instantly what we're talking about when it drops in a couple of weeks but it's just funny um and everybody has a little bit of a different take on it it's just like sometimes you can just kind of tell they don't really want to get into it and that's fine these people do not know me like we're just i'm trying to be a conscientious host and like be a be a good person but also like we're here to talk about some motherfucking hip-hop right because that's still going that's still that's going yeah, um, and on this episode, we have some uh, some real heavy hitters that Nate was fortunate enough to talk to um, that we'll be kicking uh, later in the episode, talking to J-Live and 38 Spech. 
Yeah, JLive, um, I'm going to run as the first interview. Um, I've been a huge fan of his since the kind of late 90s. And um, there's a really cool moment in that where I tell him a little story about one of his shows. And then he tells me a little story about a, it's actually at a Wyclef show, a similar experience that he had as like, not the fan because he was the opener, but it's dope, dude. Like, it's just like, I got the chills when we were talking. It was such a cool little moment. And uh, yeah, he's he's a really smart guy and like a, a career artist, like a total grinder um, in the independent scene. So that, that was cool. And then I was really excited to talk to 38 Spesh, who is like on the come up right now out of Rochester, New York, producer, rapper, empresario, um, someone who people should talk more about and he has this revelation about um, one of his albums and the time it was recorded in that I think is gonna like blow people's wig back so some cool stuff dope dope so that's that's coming up later in this episode Um, but you know we have things in the music world still are kind of creeping along Uh, this past week I guess last week for y'all listening um, we lost a musical legend um, really, in in the truest sense of that word, uh, Bill Withers passed away at 81, um, and he's an interesting cat. You know, we've we've done some posthumous. I can't even say it. How you say it? Posthumous. Post posthumous shows. Um, <laughs> we've done a couple of them with artists that, even though they weren't hip hop artists per se, um, kind of really touched uh, hip hop in a particular way. And I think Bill Withers is one of those artists what's really dope about him is his whole run was 15 years he's such a g dude he did not famously didn't quit his day job even after ain't no sunshine became a hit because he always was suspicious of the industry and then the whole thing is like basically after he left his first deal with sussex he went to sony i think which was columbia and like um they were trying to tell him what songs to record and he was like man fuck y'all like i'm out of here so he did the couple collaborations with grober washington and some other artists and then he just quit and he always owned his own publishing so he was able to live um the documentary still bill is so great and he's he's like a hero dude he's like a folk hero he's like john henry with that fucking guitar like he's I love Bill Withers. His music is really important to me as it is to so many people, but um, huge loss. And I'm, it, this is so stupid to say, and I don't know if it's even insensitive, but it's like nice that it wasn't from the virus. Kind of, kind of. I, I hear you just as observing it. I'm like, oh man, but nah, yeah. he, he had heart complications, uh, but just such a, he is, he's one of those guys. I was trying to figure out what's a rap or sports analogy um just a home run hitter man bo like, jackson maybe in terms of brevity okay. and like just like sheer awesomeness of skills and in such a brief period of time yeah, yeah. i don't know he didn't yeah. do two sports so i don't know how you'd flip that analogy but he, that was the first thing that came to mind just a just an amazing talent um oh, how about this grant hill Ooh. Uh, short, short run, um, cut short, but like while Excellent. he was out, he was like a workman like, yeah, superstar, kind of right. Because, because Bill Withers and, and a gentleman, and a constant, yeah, consummate gentleman, almost yeah. a little more mature, which is also Bill Withers because he started in his 30s, right? Mature than the game. All right, we'll take that. The Grant Hill of R&B, uh, <laughs> a giant, though, like in terms yeah. of songwriting, like, nope. Very few people have a song as good as Ain't No Sunshine mm-hmm. and way 
let's have another song as good as lean on me like lean on me goes out of the soul category and is like a, basically an american standard american folk music right yeah totally and then you know you, lovely day is probably the greatest song ever made like it encapsulates the the feeling that it is meant to evoke in a way that very few people ever come close to touching from a production and vocal standpoint if you don't like that song i don't like you like we're, right. we're not gonna <laughs> fucking jive like I'm a pretty cold, cynical person, but when Lovely Day comes on, I got my fucking huh. head back, my right. out. That's the greatest shit ever. And then Grandma's hands. Just just a for a little Love story about your grandma. It's yeah, like, just to give on. you a little game. Yeah. Oh, but crazy. you know, use me. Right. Also, like one of the greatest grooves of all time. Kissing my love, one of the yeah. most sampled drums of all time. Um, yeah. it's the basis for Let Me Ride. If he he had only yeah. done that um it would be amazing just the two of us well it's just not as much of a jam for me but i understand it is for a lot of people Absolutely. just like that that's like hall of fame shit right there and then there's there's album cuts his live album carnegie hall probably the best live album besides curtis mayfield in the really song. okay and i, I would say soul music has the best live albums of any genre sure and hip-hop has the worst uh <laughs> doesn't doesn't reflect well to uh to a recorded live session though there are some that are okay but soul has like so many great ones but curtis at the bitter end and then i would say bill withers at carnegie hall if you haven't listened to that really okay. do yourself a favor like it's amazing what he's able to connect with that crowd on and that version of grandma's hands in my opinion is one of recordings of music ever made okay Okay, I'm not, I wasn't, I wasn't hip to that, but now is a, a time that we need beautiful music more than ever. Totally. I was looking through my Bill Withers records, um, and I don't think I paid more than $5 for any of them. They're very common records, and, like, the amount of good music that's on his, like, kind of initial, like, three, four album run, depending on how you want to call it, and stretching into the 70s is fucking incredible, man. Yeah, no, it's, it's one of those things where, um, his stance against the music industry, I think, is in some ways kind of hip hop in the sense that right. he was like, fuck a label in 82. You right. Know? Like, right. He, you know, he had a term he called uh, industry cats black spurts. Uh... Trying, uh, trying to be kind of an expert on what black music was supposed to be. And he was at such a, an age um, that he just got in this weird category by that time. He wasn't like a young heartthrob. Yeah. R&B was changing um, in that time. It was kind of that going to that Whitney Houston kind of telepop, um, a very shiny, bright music. And he was a grown-ass man making grown-ass man music. Um, and he was very anti-industry to the point where he was just like, fuck it. That's so amazing to me. Just to be like, nah, I'm actually, I'm just going to go live off of my publishing uh, royalty checks and I'm good. Totally. So yeah. definitely a huge loss. Um, for my local heads, a tidbit, and they talk about it in the movie. First, in our county where we live, Bill Withers was the first black milkman in Santa, in Santa Clara. Clara County. Yes. What? Tell me more. I don't believe you. First, at all. I know you don't. I know you. Don't. <laughs> Nate the skeptic. When was this? This is where their milkman. He moved to the. He moved to the West Coast in '65. Um, he was up here for a little bit. He was working different jobs in the in the Bay Area region. He was living closer to Oakland. Okay. He got a gig as a milkman in our county, and he was the first black person to hold that that gig down here. Which is that's incredible. I did not realize they had milkmen that late in the game, and like that's just, that's crazy to me. 
Yeah, yeah. It's his his life story again. Watch Still Bill. Um, it's an amazing documentary. Great time to go back through his catalog. I believe it's available on YouTube currently. I, I've okay. seen the, the clips that I've seen. I don't think it's on any of the major streaming services. I think it's on YouTube. I don't know if that's in an official capacity or not. You'd have to watch ads, but um, really, really worth a watch for anyone interested in music. And um, the, the his hip hop ties are pretty funny. There's the UGK song. Um, that yeah. uh, takes a big sample. There's the Players Holiday, mm-hmm. um, TWDY Bay Area song that like Horrible. takes a pretty big chunk. It's that it, I have a certain nostalgia for it, but Were I hear you. That's I where me and mob music kind of diverge. I go, you know what? No, I, I really like that the Bay hung their hat for so many years on the replaying. It's not sampling per se. It's like <laughs> interpolation and replaying. I th- I think that's that's something that the Bay Area has that no one else really had and i i still i'm I'm nostalgic for that sound uh your your nate's dangerous music uh <laughs> coming up very soon. nate lebanks <laughs> um, what's it called the um the most famous thing though is not really hip-hop it's kind of r&b but it's the mm-hmm in uh no diggity, no diggity which is from grandma's hands which is like very you know if you don't like again if you don't like no diggity like we can't really have a conversation like it's it's played out yes but like i grew up with stuff like that like that's a great song oh absolutely and there's no doubt no that (laughs) oh wow (laughs) for everybody who uh had a rayon shirt in 98 native exactly um so so that that is a you know you've got your bill withers primer for those who, who maybe weren't knowing. If you guys haven't heard of Bill Withers, you're welcome. <laughs> That's what we're here for on the Dad Bod Rap Pod, to connect Introducing you. obscure musicians. <laughs> who are off the radar, absolutely. Um, all right, but there's actually new music that's still coming yes. out, uh, despite uh, everything in the world. Um, it's kind of interesting to see who's keeping their release dates and who's who's uh, pushing things out, because they're, they're, it's not the deluge of normal new releases it's pretty slow but what does come out kind of rises to the top then right it's like oh there's only certain things to talk about and i don't i don't think the beat battle things are like big competition i think we should that artists should be releasing that's my current feeling like really i I do like you have their attention what else are people gonna do right (laughs) you can't tour but you could still release right in in theory i think um unfortunately the touring, the music is just an excuse to tour. Right. Um, That's where we've kind of gotten as an industry. Yeah. Sadly. So I can understand if you're like, shit, I can't do the tour. I might, I might as well hold this shit. Like, right. Until, until a better time. But uh, a couple of artists who did, I think one stuck to their release date and the other one um, actually Surprise dropped. Ahead. Um, and these are both kind of rap adjacent albums, but we are in some side threads talking about them. And that is uh, Childish Gambino um, dropped a surprise, weirdly untitled. Uh, Some numbers? Yeah. Or like the date? Was it the date it came out? The songs are, are all kind of weird numbers. Two of the songs are, are actually titled and the rest are like these 1924 and 2416. And um, they're, they're titled like weird file names. Right. Um, yeah. 31520. Which is, I guess, the day it showed up on some of the services briefly, and then it actually came out. Because I'm looking at the Spotify thing, and it says three fifteen twenty released on three twenty two twenty. 
the great. <laughs> <laughs> Which, whatever. Yeah. Uh, I have to say, I almost always try to keep it positive on the show, and I don't let my true haterism shine through. But I hate this fucking record. Yeah, that was that was really interesting to me. I I I think Donald Glover is an amazing artist in many respects. His music is probably my least favorite thing that he does, Um, but I I think he's like a musical chameleon. He's kind of like doing type beats, and like when he was doing parliament type beats on Redbone in particular and that awakened my child in particular I can get with that I love parliament I don't know what he's doing on this one but like it is not jiving with me at all like that song algorithm yeah I find so annoying I'm like (laughs) turn this off like when I was first listening to it I had had like a very chill day the day the first day I interacted with it I was listening to Spotify through my TV which is already a little weird but Ooh, it's just but, an app right but, so But right for Gambino though that was the right move for you right. should listen to that through a right. So I I had like meditated I was like burning Palo Santo I was listening okay. to uh, Bright Black Morning Light I don't know if you know what that mm-hmm. is it's kind of like campfirey psych like that was my vibe that day Okay and then I listened to the new t- newish Tame Impala and that was kind of like again like shimmery psyche sure. formless yeah. kind of vibe you put sandals on you were making yeah. it you were making but it huge out. yeah and then uh like I was like okay let me I'm done with shit I've already listened to. Let me click over to this new Gambino. And then I was like, the beginning, I was like, oh, this is weird. And then that algorithm song came in with those like nine inch nails processed vocals. And I was like, get me the fuck out of here, dude. Like this could not be, I don't want to live in a digital dystopia right now. Like I want to be at the campfire. So maybe it's my fault. But I tried to go back a couple times and like, it's just not connecting. Like I don't get what he's trying to accomplish with this record. Is it, is it, you find it to be tone deaf for the moment? Is it kind of, do you feel like maybe if you weren't uh, confined to a cell, you might have more love? I think you wouldn't. <laughs> My I, knowledge I, of you I, says no. I think it's, I think it's bad. I, like, I don't think it's a good record. And, and like, okay. My joke, and we're, this is kind of segueing into the next thing, and I do really want to hear what you think about the Gambino, is like, I was like, are we, is everyone just pretending to like Thundercat? Because I don't get it, right? And I've said that on the show before, and we'll go into that next. But I'm like, is everyone pretending to like this Gambino? Like, what is there to like? Like, educate me. Like, what's good about this record? That's, it's interesting that you called out the algorithm record, because to me, um, first off, my son, huge Childish Gambino fan, I've been subjected to some of his earlier stuff before he like really got going. His nerd rap. Yeah, which I just did not care for. Yeah, all. I don't like it either. Yeah, at all. Um, but he's a huge fan. And so um, I was peeping it kind of in the, you know, I'm going to rap with my son about this, see where I fall. Um, algorithm joint in particular is interesting. You brought it up because it's really just is uh, the song synthesizer from Equimini. It's like, mm. it's such a, and this, I'm trying to hit my son to like, mm-hmm. you know. What it, the reference it, point is. Kind of. It's, he, there, he really was just remaking Synthesizer, which I thought was, I don't know, maybe I felt flattered. That's cute. Something that's really meaningful to me. Uh, right. There's a couple, again, my bar for albums is much lower than yours, as we just yeah. on, on this program. I think you would call four or five songs a good album and I would call four or five songs a bad album, right? Kind of. That's, yeah. Yeah, that's kind of where we're at. I, I have a different like curve. I, I look at um, not only good songs, but like how good, 
right? So if something has, you give me an album with three songs with incredible replay value that are just hard, I won't trash that album. I won't say you must. You're just harvesting albums for your own playlist, right? Like it's not really about the album, it's about the songs, like. Sure, and we. You don't need intros, outros, sweeps, fades. If you can get away with it, yes. But um, yeah, I kind of, I am cannibalistic in that sense. So I, yeah. I'll, I'll cop to that. But um, look, the thing about a Childish Gambino record is it always trends pretentious. Mm-hmm. You, got it, you, got, you have to go in knowing he's going to do some weird high concept, supposedly high concept stuff that's actually can be really pretentious at times. Right. And this album is no different. He landed on a couple dope joints. Um, they're not properly named, so I don't feel bad right. saying them by name. But he's got a joint with 21 Savage uh, about the night that he took uh, uh, mushrooms that I think is mm. really cool. Um, he's got the joint. It's a very Prince, Prince-like joint called Sweet Thing, which, is, which I really enjoyed. Uh, okay. Send me the mushroom one in the thread, and like, okay. uh, if you don't mind. And sure. uh, it's funny because even the song you praised, you're like, I you praised it because you did a Prince type beat. It is a Prince type beat. I think no, I think you're 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 spot on in the sense that my knock with him will always be he doesn't have his own voice. Redbone is him doing Erica Badu. Um, Awaken my love. A lot of those joints, like you said, are are Parliament funkadelic thing. On this one, I think he's trying to dip into the weirder parts of the outcast bag. Hmm. Um, I had not considered it like that. That's interesting. That's that's kind of what I took away from it. Um, but, but like Outcast has two world class rappers with tons of interesting things to say. Sure. And that that covers up a lot of and like obviously they were getting weird at that point. They were starting to show their their true colors, but at the um, on a fundamental verse construction level, he will never be able to rap like either of them. No, 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 I, I absolutely, you know. And he is so, like you said, a chameleon to the degree that I'm kind of like, sometimes I would just like to do like, dude, what is your voice? What, do you, what are you, like he, it's, it's almost like he's in a sketch comedy show right? his whole album. Right. He's like, here's me doing this and here's me, and he can do them all. Right. But sometimes that's why I'm always kind of off balance with his stuff. I'll give you my honest assessment, which is that I think his real voice was like the first three albums, like the yeah, yeah. Guy, the black nerd rapper obsessed with Asian girls and anime and like, yeah. you know, who stumbled upon a couple of like algorithmy hits yeah. because he understood youth culture and like the zeitgeist. But is that good music? Not to me, not to like a grown man. It's a vibe, Nate. <laughs> everybody has their own vibe it's it's a vibe no i i think i think you're right on in the sense that he he has tapped in to pop culture in a particular way um i often have i've said that before some of his stuff does sound like if you did an ai program and were like make a you know make a quirky hipster hit right he's got it so um i don't know also I'm single during quarantine. So ah. I'm connecting with whatever the, they're throwing at you. <laughs> I'm connecting with love songs on a different level, Nate. I hear you, bud. Uh, that so, must be hard. It's um, it's interesting cohabitating. And uh, I'll tell you a joke. This is I've gotten a lot of mileage out of this joke. Uh, so obviously, I'm quarantining with my lovely wife, Lucia. Sorry. And uh, I was the other. She went back to work this week, so it's been a little bit different, like tone 
in the apartment and we were both kind of like working at the kitchen table, fiddling around the kitchen. I was hovering over at where we keep our shopping list and I was like, oh, did we run out of anything today? And she just goes, patience. <laughs> and there you have it, folks. That was hilarious. So like like right, right on beat too. Yes, exactly. Good timing. Very, oh. very well-placed joke and I just keep retelling it, but I do credit her. It was her joke. Absolutely. Shout out, shout out to Lou. Um, Speaking of patience, tell <laughs> me about this Thundercat record. People like this? Um, if they do, your theory might be correct. Um, that people are pretending to like it because it's Thundercat and you want it to. Because um, he's so cool, right? He's like the coolest guy in the world. He's a cool guy. Yeah. Uh, Drunk is an amazing record, too. I, we talked about this on the, on the show. I, yeah. I love the record. I know Dave is heavy into that record. Um, on this new one, I just think we hit the far end of his uh, good musical ideas. Like, Interesting. I, think I thought I would like it more because it's pitched as his like sad album. Like it's essentially yeah. like his Mac Miller tribute. Like he's it's him dealing with the emotions around the death of his best friend Mac Miller, which I don't like. You know, I have nothing to say about that except for like respect and. Right. I'm, I'm very sorry for his loss and everything, but I, I just, every time I try to listen to one of his records, I think it's too many ideas. It's messy. Yeah. Like I, I listened to it on like a heavy edible on Sunday night and I was like, this is the time, right? His shit's yeah, no, that outer is space, right. fucking nine string bass, fucking just like craziness. And I, I just kept returning to the iPad going like, is this one song or like 30 songs or four songs? Like, I don't understand what's happening. I don't know where I am. I'm not centered. And it's weird because he's a bass player and like the whole thing is like creating a foundation, but he plays the bass as like a solo instrument. And I don't like Primus either. Like I don't actually like bands that foreground the bass um, <laughs> as an, as a like a uh, noodly instrument. Yeah. Like that just doesn't Double work. Went down to so Georgia. Good. No. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, uh, some people I really respect are super into it. I'm trying to vibe with them and like tr to figure out what I can like about it. But I, and I, I admit this is a problem with me, not with him. Like, I just think Thundercats music is not for me. Like, I love when he's a player on other things, but uh -huh. as a solo artist, I'm just I'm just not connecting. I don't get it. I I loved, and it's a it's a decently long album. Um, I love the song uh, Dragon Ball Do Rag. I think it's it's fun. Um, that's the single, right? Yeah, that's the single, which is a great choice. He has a song called Black Qualls with uh, Steve Lacey from the internet, which mm -hmm. is really cool, kind of almost Steve Arrington-like funk jam thing. Which right. I was like, oh, are there going to be more songs like this? But um, I think, unfortunately, what, ends up, what ended up happening is I don't think as a vocalist and as a songwriter he's got the chops to give you a whole ass album. I think Drunk was like an achievement in that he could keep it entertaining with foregrounding bass and his particular way of singing, which, you know, I could do it for Drunk. I kind of like, I like that record, but another record like that, um, in the side thread, uh, Mr. Uh, Nate LeBlanc referred to it as Weather Report Michael McDonald. Um, and sad, sad weather report. Sad Michael weather McDonald. report, Michael McDonald. Which it I was like, yeah, you're probably not, not for me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I like all of those things. I like sad music. I like a lot of weather reports music. I like some of Michael McDonald's music. You throw that in a blender with a nine-string bass, and like apparently 
that is that is not my jam. No, unfortunately, but um, I kind of feel like Thundercat is one of those guys who um, is obviously going to be around, around, and I, I think, I do think if he did something in the vein that uh, uh, our, what we were talking about Donald Glover doing uh, with Awaken My Love and just do something in a particular style or go in a particular direction, um, I think it could be interesting. What, where this record slows down for me is like, it tries to do s some of what was happening on Drunk. It tries to do a little bit of funk. And then there's this weird, he's playing with the, like in, I, I just, just weird shit. It was, it was weird and not the cool way. I was, right. it was actually just interesting. I thought, I thought this was going to be a debate. You're like, I love it. And you're an idiot. And <laughs> well, typically that, I go there. Not well, that that's, that's how we talk to each other. It's yes. always a respectful disagreement, but I thought you were going to be super into it. So I'm actually kind of interested that yeah, I you, you weren't loving it. It's no, nope. you have your, your moments with it. Yeah. I like Dragon Ball Durag and Black Claws. And, and that's, uh, that's kind of where I check out on that record. Although I will give it, another because i've only like listened to it a couple times I'll yeah give it another chance um only because i have mountains of fucking time yeah totally and, uh, <laughs> i should at least give records a a, a fair chance but yeah. you know what nate you know what hmm. a lot of us have a lot of time on our hands right now yes yes we're, we do we're we're forced to uh figure out different ways to entertain ourselves um and i don't know about you but i really think that this is the time when we should just really connect with ourselves on a personal level. <laughs> I know you mentioned you've been doing some meditation, which I, I think is dope. Um, some people like dildos. That's how they, <laughs> that's how they connect to themselves. Um, Self-love is important in this time. And uh, other things like that. Yes. Like yes. Various devices. Yes. Of, of many different lengths and sizes. And so, uh, <laughs> Dad bod rap pod. We wanted to let all of our listeners know we are officially uh, running ads for Adam and Eve, adamandeve.com, where you could get all of your fly sex positive uh, sex toys. And you know how I know we made it, Nate? How's that? We got a fucking discount code, bro. Man, I thought the day would never come. I know. I know. It's, it's wild. So it's kind of like you know what I'm saying? We're not on that blue apron level yet, but we're like on blue butt, butt, ah. <laughs> blue butt plug. That would have been so tight if you landed oh, it. Oh, I couldn't nail it. I couldn't Literally. Nail it. Yeah. Oh, ouch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Um, Tell them about it. So you can get uh, free stuff to spice up your bedroom. I assume this is an actual hot sauce, but like different things to spice up your bedroom. Uh if you go onto adamandeve.com and use the code DADBOD, D-A-D-B-O-D. -D -D, it's kind of surprising that wasn't taken already. We're built for this, bro. Like, we, came, <laughs> we came in the game for this ad. Uh, you can get 50% off on almost any item in there of 14 inches or more. No, it's on every, it's on all, most items. Uh, that's a, that's a serious discount this is not like a 10 percent off or a free shipping 50 percent no. is no joke no for every pound overweight i am you're getting a percent <laughs> discount at adam and eve um so yeah enter our code dadbot at checkout and get 10 tantalizing free gifts um, if someone does this can you please hit us up on twitter and tell please, us what these gifts are please tell us what these gifts are 
it's really just 10 cock rings, right? Is it not? <laughs> so, anyway, uh, a sexy item for, for him, a special gift for her, and a third item you'll both enjoy, plus six spicy movies. Oh. Ah. Six movies, bruh. Mm, I have been watching a lot of movies lately. Um, not like that, though. Uh, <laughs> that's dadbodadamandeve.com. Uh, Enter the promo code DadBod for fifty percent off anything on the site. That's a that's a good deal, I have to say. Yeah. So the next time you know you're shopping for a flashlight, definitely check in uh, Adam and Eve. Um, yeah, that was our that was our first ad read, Nate. How that was normal, and it went very smoothly. And everyone thinks it's that it's great <laughs> <laughs> because of the lube that we got at Adam oh. and Eve. Sorry, sorry. This that's is hilarious. Yeah. Uh, there was so much buildup and now it's over. Kind of like, no, just kidding. Uh, yeah, but let's do a very normal conversational transition into these interviews. Yeah. <laughs> Tell so, me about when you first heard J Live. What do you remember about that, um, that time? He's in Bra- Bragging Rights, which yeah. is kind of like um, an Olympic feat. To me, that's like uh, getting a perfect score in figure skating, where uh, my guy was juggling. Uh, two records and rapping at the same time and totally i love i love when people do that like doom idon j live basically the only three people i've really seen pull it off and i've actually never seen doom live so i don't know if he does that as part of the thing but as he says he owns a crown and all three for getting down yeah Uh, but yeah he's uh but Edon, I've seen do it many times, and he always does those awesome videos on j live i've I've seen live, and it's like it's obvious you could just hear his hand in the yeah. in the production. It's like, oh well, there's he that's the pullback right there. He's doing that. It's so yeah. cool it's it was so I just remember feeling like, okay, well, there there's hip hop. that's it. yep like, you you're doing that. yes, um his he's had and he had such a great run in such a weird time. Uh, yeah. When he first kind of broke on the scene, we were still, it's kind of in the post-backpack glory years when I think a lot of artists were trying to find their way and how do you, how do you have an original voice um, and not go with the, the kind of mainstream thing. Um, I think he predated Little Brother by a little bit. Um, that sounds right to me, like 95, 97. Right, yeah. right. It was, but it was kind of, he kind of uh, foreshadowed where some of that was going, where the post backpack generation. Was I don't know if you were into these guys, but when I was, I listened to a bunch of J Live to try to prep for the interview, and he he has a lot of work. Um, he really reminds me of that, like um, a Sharrow in blue black, yeah. like seven heads, gingy yeah. brown, kind of like um, positive but not cloying, conscious but not boring. Like there's, it was like a cool like, like little segment of like independent rap that like never like totally blew up like it wasn't raucous level it was like it was it was actually underground self-pressed like work but it was good hip-hop i put tanya morgan in that same totally a little later but yes yeah just really smart um yeah but good good dudes like college radio rap kind of i think that's probably the best way to put it um so yeah i i definitely was struck by him and i feel like um He's definitely maintained, you know what I mean? I, I think uh, he has, yeah, he has a bunch of records. That's the first thing. Um, and actually has, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that what even what he's doing more recently is out of step or completely 
you know, he kind of has his his own lane. So yeah, it's dope that he could come on the program. Did For you guys sure. talk about the Knicks at all? He's a weird Knicks. No, fan. I did. I didn't. Uh, I didn't bring up tragedy with with Knicks uh, talk. We kept it pretty focused on his career. Um, one thing I wanted to, since you brought up the Knicks, I don't know if you've been reading these, but um, the ringer.com like many sports sites is like dra- dragon for things to talk about. They're, they're doing redrafts of all the like late nineties, early two thousands drafts. What? So Bill Simmons and guests will do them as podcasts, but I read the like article recaps. I need to read some like non COVID news in the morning and, mm-hmm. you know, get my day started. I always read for like some segment of the morning and the ringer is one of the places I stop in and they, in the way they phrase the columns, the one of the things is what was the Nixiest thing that happened <laughs> or it actually might be like, how did the Knicks fuck this up? And there's just a run dude from like Rick Pitino era to like the next phase of it to like, they made such bizarre choices. They, year kept, they year. kept drafting people in the first round and then trading them before the season was over. And now that would be unthinkable dude, right. probably because of the precedent of these terrible decisions that got made. You don't even know who the guy is. You barely met him. Right. You're shipping him out for like Mamet Ochre or something. It's like, it doesn't make any sense. It's bizarre. So right. anyway, you should check those out. They're actually really entertaining. And then they re-rank the draft based on where people should have been chosen by how their career shook out. And it's wow. fascinating. Wow. Well, you that's know, basically the only basketball content I'm interacting with right now. Legacy backward looking uh, content. I, I actually forgot about sports for like a week. It was it was very interesting. I was like, oh, yeah, I remember sports. I kind of miss it and I kind of don't. That's right? been my, my basic thing. I, since the Warriors were having such a bad season anyway, I have basically okay. taken the year off. Yes. Yeah, uh, football, I don't care about. Um, baseball. It's interesting because I probably – I finally have enough time to watch a three-and-a-half-hour pitching And where movie, are they? You know, and, like, we, yeah. we're not going to get that. Hockey, I don't really give a shit, though. It's important to the people in my town, so I always try to pretend a little. But, yeah, it's been, it's been interesting. I guess the tournament is one of the coolest things in sports, and I always care a little bit about the, yeah. the college basketball tournament. So it sucks that we didn't have that little national moment of some – you know, St. Mary's or something making a run. I always love that, but right. in like a very offhand way, me and my dad, I used to take a day off and me and my dad would go to a sports bar and eat day. wings and like, yeah, like watch, round. watch yeah. like 20 games. Like yeah. I'll never be able to do that again. I guess I could use my days off for that if I chose, but I wouldn't, you know, it's like, it's such a cool thing though. Yeah. Well, next, you know, next couple months we'll do that for, but just for beat battles. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's like ninth one. Watch going any of them? Timberland. Did you have you watched any of them? Oh, absolutely not. Yeah. But um, but I do feel like somebody's missing an opportunity. This should just be bracketed. Like right. it should just be bracketed and like somebody get the shit to get because then it would be interesting to me. Mm. Um if we're just because what if it, there was a way to win. Yeah. Besides be, like the court of public opinion on Twitter or whatever. Right. It's just like, okay, the Timberland fans are gonna say Timberland and the you know. If right. there was some kind of objective metric with which we could do this, um, I'd totally be into it. Hopefully, shelter-in-place ends before we have to come to that. But either way, Dad Bar Rap Pod will be here fucking podcasting. Um, shout out to Nate LeBlanc. 35 points, 10 rebounds a game throughout this whole madness. Uh, Thanks, man. I'm trying. I'm just trying to keep the ship afloat. I, it's so much slowly. more fun when we can do it together. Like, I really miss you guys during the interviews and, like, the whole rhythm of my life of every other Monday, meeting up, getting to dap up, 
we'll maybe smoke a little after like it's just I really really miss that and like it's so much more fun to like we had gotten kind of good at signaling each other on who was going to yeah. talk next and yeah. you know we had we had gotten into this rhythm and I don't know if we're gonna have to like rebuild all that back up but I I really miss you guys and I appreciate the shout outs like I'm just trying to put put the show together because we we need to do it and people want to hear it and like I, I like doing it I love talking to MCs, but you know artists and writers and everybody that we have in our orbit it's it's fun so it's like one of the few things i could really call fun now you know <laughs> yeah yeah no that's but it's also work so um i appreciate that and thanks man i'll be uh i'll be continuing to read uh dildo ads for the <laughs> we all contribute in different ways nate we all absolutely i i we've had this opportunity for a couple of weeks i'm like you you gotta take that one man i can't i can't do this like <laughs> that's t-ball for me man I'm, <laughs> ready. I'm ready to go um but yeah so you've heard me and nate uh pontificate on a number of subjects but we have some dope interviews lined up for you on this program uh first off Batting, batting leadoff is the J Live interview. Yes, gonna run that one first, and then after the 38 special. Dad bod rap pod. Um, very lucky to have uh, someone I really respect and admire on the line. One of hip hop's true triple threats: an MC, a DJ, a producer. Someone I've been a fan of their music um, for a long time, and that is Jay Live. What's going on, man? Peace. What's up? What's up, man? Happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Thank you. Um, I was looking back through the old emails, and we're on year two of trying to set this up, so I'm really yeah. glad it's coming together. <laughs> Sorry um, about that. No, it's all good. It's just uh, it's funny how um, this ha- uh, worldwide crisis has weirdly made getting podcast interviews a lot easier. <laughs> oh, man. People just don't have I an don't excuse. Imagine um but how are you how's your family like how are you reacting to what's going on i'm well uh family's well everybody's uh you know taking it in stride just adapting to overcome as it as it happens as things develop uh you know one minute it's no big deal according to you know the leaders next minute you know there's there's all kinds of shutdowns and everybody's you know, walking around with gloves and masks on. And yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely taking its toll. You know, I mean, it's it's a lot of people getting sick, you know, a lot of people dying. So it definitely gives you perspective and kind of forces you to put your priorities in order as it takes its toll on the economy as well. But, you know, you just got to hope for the best at this point. Absolutely. You know? I've been trying because I'm still working my day job, but from home to think of it as a humanitarian crisis and not primarily as a financial one. Um, and mm. they're, they're not completely separable, separable, be, separable, because, uh, you know, people's livelihoods are really uncertain right now. And it just makes people react in different ways. But um, not to dwell on it, but did want to check in. Um we have some interviews banked from earlier weeks we've been putting out in the last couple of weeks. And I feel like I need to put these big disclaimers on them. Like 
yo, we're we're not monsters. We just mm-hmm. it was before <laughs> the world changed. It was in the before right. times. Uh, right. This is yeah. This is a, an international, worldwide historic event. Absolutely. Um, so let's let's talk about your music and your career. Um, I was such a huge fan of you when you first emerged on the scene, and the thing that I really admired about you was you your rhymes were smart and you always like seemed to have a really sharp pen but there was a ferocity and like a hunger to your early work and I was wondering if you could kind of take us back um to your mindset when you were recording your initial singles and like what it what it what you felt like and who what you were trying to accomplish at that time um it's wild because when people compliment my later work they say that there's still a hunger and I appreciate that because yeah. I feel like, well, one, I still have a lot to prove <laughs> being, being as obscure and underground as I am. I still, you know, I still, fortunately I still have a lot more music in me as people start to discover the old stuff and, and some of the more recent stuff. Yeah. But I think the ferocity you're talking about as a youngin. Um, I mean, I hear that word, and I think Mike Tyson just <laughs> like <laughs> like Mike Tyson today still seems as ferocious as he did Absolutely. back then. Few but will ever talk, ever reach that level, but I hear what you're yeah, saying. Yeah, but to hear him talk about it, like when his his younger self is like this this animal that he had to to kind of cage within himself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I don't I don't know if I could say that about my stuff. I think I think my ferocity comes not necessarily from my age. But from my ethic, um, I just I have a certain ethic regarding hip hop that was forged by the music I grew up listening to and the artists the artists that I respected back then that doesn't let me take shorts in certain regards. Sure. And I think that's where that's where the hunger and the ferocity comes from because if I don't really have that, then I'm not gonna write. So if I'm if I'm writing it means I have that, you know? Yeah, that's that's well said. Um, that said, who who are your heroes? Like, who are you trying to measure yourself against? Like, what, like I know we all have like we grew up in kind of similar eras, so we there are some Kane and KRS. Yeah, Kane and KRS. Okay, Kane and KRS. Period. Because because KRS in terms of how much I learned off of his music. Yes. You know from from you know edutainment and 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 um the blueprint and um just just the songs that basically he kind of just brought you into the classroom and said today today you're gonna learn about (laughs) you know like why is that or or beef or you know like who protects us from you things of that nature like just that in terms of how i learned to take a topic and write to it Mm -hmm. as opposed to kind of hopping all over the place freestyling Mm -hmm. Um, when I went from writing verses to writing songs, you know, he was he was definitely, you know, when you consider a tactician that 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 was very cognizant of what style he was using and when and why. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely KRS, and then Kane, just because, you know, there was always that debate between Kane and Rakim as far back as when I was in junior high, mm-hmm. and I was of the mind that Kane was more versatile than Rakim. And as much as I was influenced by Rakim, just in terms of putting knowledge of cell phone wax and just you talk about ferocity in terms of, of being sharp with the pen and, and articulate and 
you know, moving at a pace and, and, and having a command of the flow in his voice. But then I feel like King could do all of that. But there's things that King could do that Rakim couldn't do. Right. Do all of it so while as, dancing and do. Yeah. The, like King like could take you from Pimpin' Ain't Easy to, to Young Gifted and Black in a heartbeat. You know what I mean? And, Absolutely. And he could write for other artists in a way. You know, like I didn't know what Rakim was writing, but I knew, you know, the word around town was that, that you know, King was writing for Biz. And I was like, okay, you, you're Big Daddy King and you have enough range to write a whole nother personality and bring it to life. Right. For me, like I, I was never a ghostwriter. I've never written for anybody but myself. But I just, I feel like in terms of my favorite, him, he was my favorite for having that versatility and Absolutely. being able to do that. You can go from raw to picking boogers and, yeah. uh, and both are good records in their totally different ways. And um, mm-hmm. I didn't, six, I didn't appreciate that about, I didn't appreciate that about LL until until I grew up. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. as a as a youth, I was always kind of frustrated with the songs that LL would show range on. Like I wanted "I'm Bad LL," so when yeah. I got "I Need Love LL," I'd be like, "No, uh-huh. next." <laughs> and then only only you know as you grow older, you realize you know what gives him goat status in terms of his versatility, all within himself. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. just. Amazing. So I definitely put LL up there too. Yeah, but, uh, I've, uh, I've kind of had a renaissance with LL in terms of like appreciating the the breadth of his career, and it, it yeah, came man. because I was for a time I was listening to his radio station on satellite radio a lot, and I saw mm-hmm, mm-hmm. these little segments him and Z Trip would do about saluting samples and like um, just recognizing old artists, and you you think like someone like has become a celebrity. And perhaps left the culture behind, but he's just a big old hip hop head who like loves oh, this. Yeah. And it's like it's been it was like really helped me, especially as we were developing kind of the rubric for the show, which is basically like, yeah, we're we're older heads, but we appreciate old and new, and we're trying to stay current and find the the greatness in all of the different eras of hip hop. And I felt like he was mm-hmm. doing that, and he's probably ten, fifteen years older than us, and in a totally different station in his life. So I've been reevaluating his uh, his career, and he's he's truly oh, yeah, one of the can. best to do it. I will. There'll be no LL slander within a ten mile radius of wherever <laughs> I am. Like I don't I don't allow it at all. Yeah. Um, so you have remained remarkably consistent. Um, I'm looking at your discography here, and it seems like every every year every other year you've got a new project fully packaged um produced like um do you kind of wait until you have the right amount of songs or do you approach things from a thematic element or like how do you decide when you're ready to drop the next thing and how do you stay fresh for me it's always been thematic i've never um i know there's there's what people call the 50 cent approach where you take you know 20 to 30 songs and pick 12 right and that's, I think that's a very productive, very judicious approach. I have nothing, you know, nothing but high praise for it. But I've never been that prolific enough to do that. I, I kind of like, I will have an idea about a record and how I want it to sound and make enough songs until I feel like I'm almost chiseling away at the album that's already done. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. so, so like every, and then, I'll make a song and be like, okay, that's going to be the fifth song. 
even though I don't have the first four. Oh, interesting. <laughs> I, yeah, <laughs> like, I've never this, heard anyone well, say that. That's fascinating. Song. This will be the last song. This is how I'm going to start it. This is going to be, you know, I'm, this song is going to be about this. And then because it's about this, I'm going to put it here. So it's like, I'm just, it's almost, it's, it's, if I can mix anal- uh, analogies, it's almost like I'm chiseling away at a jigsaw puzzle. Mm-hmm. That makes so sense. like I'm making, I'm making the pieces to fit a certain way. Right. Um, and I mean, every now and then you'll have, and that's the other thing that what's, what ends up happening is I'll have songs that might not make the album, but that's only because I haven't written them yet. Mm. And I haven't written them yet because I just haven't found the beat or I haven't found the words, but I have the concept in my head. Right. So like, like this Anna could have been on the best part had I finished it at the time, right. you know, or like them that's not might have, you know, could have been one of my first singles had it, had it manifested the way it did. Right. So it's like, oh, I'll, I'll have concepts. Like, there's a song on Then What Happened, um, which is older than the best part. Oh, wow. <laughs> and it's not even, actually, that song was finished. It just never came out. So I ended up putting it out. Like, it's still relevant. It still makes sense. So oh my God, it was called Simmer Down. Like, oh, wow. I wrote those rhymes. I wrote those rhymes in college. <laughs> <laughs> And then it came crazy. out in two, th- yeah. So, um, you sound organized that you would be able to keep it and like, like file it away either mentally or physically no, to I think be able it's, to. It's more the opposite, actually. It's more like uh, the usual suspects bulletin board. It's more like you know, it makes sense <laughs> when you look at it a certain way, and then you end up disco- rediscovering things that are still relevant. Like one thing I try to do, um, I think I got it from just from Q-tips saying. The Lars Professor said, don't say the year Right. on Midnight Marauders. And I think what he was talking about was you never know when a record's going to come out. Right. But I've always been kind of of the mind that I write about truisms. I don't write about like present day, um, you know, like my puns aren't going to be, my, my punchlines aren't going to be the commercial that you just saw or the TV show or the, or the, you know, they're not going to be the, yeah, it's going to be exactly. That might happen. I'm sure you can find some, but you'd have to look pretty hard because I try kind of try to avoid that. Mm -hmm. And I think that in a sense limits the marketability of what I do, but it also, but it allows it to, to, to last. It's It's more of a timeless style, you know? Absolutely. Um, yeah. And I do want to jump back to something you were mentioning earlier and like um, mm-hmm. you, your albums are very albumy. So it's interesting to hear that they're <laughs> so like that you think of them as sequences because the the last song is like it's not like a a summation or a conclusional paragraph. It's like a, it's it, it, it holds a mark. And it um, I've said something I've noticed throughout your your work. So it's interesting to hear that it's so intentional. Um, Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I guess kind of on what you just said, um, your music seems to me to be about life. But and it, it, again, I, I'm just going to say this and you tell me if I'm full of shit or not. But it's mm-hmm. not it's not about your life. It's about life in in a broader term, like a capital L life, like what it's like to be a human on the planet. And it's obviously from your perspective, but it's not entirely autobiographical. Do you think that's fair to say? Yeah, I think that's important because, like, I can, I'm, I'm obviously writing from my perspective. You know, like, an English teacher will tell you, you don't have to say, in my opinion. <laughs> it's, a, it's assumed. Take it for granted. Right? You yeah. can just state your opinion. Yeah. But, um, uh, 
but yeah, there's, there's times when I'm specifically autobiographical and there's times when I'm, you know, introspective and in my feelings about something. But for the most part, I'm writing what I see, you know, mm-hmm. and it's not necessarily looking inward. It's just looking outward at the world Yeah, in a way that people can relate to, you know, like if I'm not going to you know, just just speak on whatever the trend is, whatever the new slang is, or whatever the current events are. I still want to be relatable to the people. <clears throat> so songs like, um, you know, Money Matters, they might not go into the specifics of what I'm dealing with, right. but they, I go over it like this is the stuff that we all have to deal with, and I know it very well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So. So yeah, I can I'd say that's accurate for sure. Um something that you alluded to earlier is you still think of yourself as very much an underground artist. Um something I've like enjoyed hearing stories about from uh people from our your era kind of like the the 90s 2000s like backpack independent era is were there uh major label dinners like did anybody uh come pick you up in a town car ever like were that was were there times yeah. when people <clears throat> yeah. uh, were courting you? Yeah, I was, um, when we put out the best part, before we put out the best part, I had signed to uh, Payday, to put it out on Payday Records, right? Mm -hmm. So before we signed to Payday, the producer I was working with, George, he pretty much lined up uh, three or four labels. And we had a deal where he was like, all right, I'm going to get you a deal with one of the major labels or Ruckus. Mm -hmm. So Ruckus was interested. Next Plateau was interested. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, David Geffen and, and uh, he had DreamWorks. Mm. You know, Geffen and Spielberg, DreamWorks was a record label. Right. I don't know if it's still a record label, but yeah, at the time Octagon, it was a movie house. One of the versions of Dr. Octagon came out on yeah, DreamWorks. Yeah, exactly. So when, when DreamWorks was a record label, so it came down to DreamWorks, Next Plateau, and Payday. So, like, DreamWorks flew me out to Hollywood, and we stayed at the Chateau Marmont and had wow. all kinds of... They, yeah, they did it up. They did, you know, the whole thing. Yeah. But at the end of the day, as we were playing the record, they didn't hear the hit, the single that they wanted. Okay. So they, they passed. Wow. <laughs> so you got a cool and, weekend um, out of it, but uh, no oh, yeah. changed the deal. <laughs> <laughs> nah, it, was, it was fun. It was a fun time. Yeah. For sure. That's awesome. Um, so... Do you still DJ? Like I, w- I remember seeing you back in the day, and you're kind of the the doing the bragging rights and like uh, being the maestro of the whole show mm-hmm. from behind the decks was an important part of it. And I really admire like Doom and Don and yourself and people who kind of master the elements. Is that still a part of the show, or do you, is that something you've yeah. picked up? Um, ideally, budget permitting, I bring a tour DJ with me. Right, but um, you know, sometimes it's just logistically not possible. Um, so I have a, I have kind of two shows. I have a show that I do with someone Mm. and then a show that I do by myself. And, uh, I'd say they're both pretty potent. Um, the one by myself, what I, what I do is I can kind of rebuild the songs via the samples from behind the turntable. So instead of playing the song, I'll play the sample and just chop it up on the table. Yeah. Um, so it depends, like, depends on the situation, the size of the crowd. Like, you know, if you, if you're doing a huge festival i'm not gonna just come out by myself i'm gonna have my dj so that i can work the whole stage you know because that's a very important part of it too absolutely but um but if it's a small intimate setting i might rock alone i might rock you know dolo but um 
as a DJ, I'm still pretty active. I still put mixed tap on mixes on Mixcloud. Yeah. Um, still go live on Instagram, especially in these times. Sure. <laughs> um, I still teach DJing from time to time. Uh, so yeah, I'm still very much an active DJ. And actually, I'm looking into doing more songs like Bragging Rights, where it's just me behind the turntables. Yeah. But um, I did one on uh, Lose No Time called uh, Get It, okay. which was pretty cool. It was like it's actually. It's kind of every style of mine combined because I'm I'm behind the turntables, but I'm also telling a story. That's awesome. So, <laughs> so it's weird, but yeah, yeah, I'm still very much an active DJ. That's awesome. Um, so what kind of keeps you motivated to continue pushing out projects? Are you do you just like think of yourself as a writer and you're just like, here's my my next thing I need to express, or is it just kind of like you're in the rhythm of doing it? Like, how do you how do you continue to be inspired? I just sort of let it happen. Um, when I when I do a record, it takes a lot out of me. Yeah. Uh, like, kind of like Storm, like in, in, X, in the X-Men cartoon, right. where she, you know, she'd fuck shit up, but then, like, she'd pass out. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, you shoot lightning out of your fingers, like, you got to rest right, afterwards. Right, exactly. It's like, so she killed everybody with a hurricane, but now she's not going to wake up for a couple of days. <laughs> so... um. You know, I, I kind of write seasonally. I've, I've I've always wanted to be more consistent, mm-hmm. uh, like like Stephen King. But uh, up until now, I've, I just write seasonally, and I kind of just let it happen. Because what happens is, and it's it's, it's weird when you know it's going to happen. Mm. But every time I stop writing, I know that when I start again, it's going to jump a level. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, people talk about. And I think it's just because you've had more time to live with these records, but people's favorite records of mine are always going to be the earlier stuff. But I feel like if they sit down and, and put some time in their life for the newer stuff, mm-hmm. they'll see the improvement style-wise, because I feel like I've, I've jumped levels. The same way when I was you know, 12, 13, 14, I would finish a rhyme book, and the next rhyme book... I'd be into it, and I wouldn't want to kick anything from the previous rhyme book because it just it sounded stupid to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That so yeah, like, and I have to admit yeah. to being that kind of fan, and I think part of it in something I've learned uh, having the access to be able to talk to some of my favorite artists, and I'm really interested in that time. And I think what I'm part of what I'm getting out of listening to the old music is the nostalgia of it, right? Like I'm reliving my right. times. Like uh, exactly. when, when bragging rights hit was a really fun time in my life when I didn't have any responsibilities exactly. and I was blown away by the music. And now I can like, um, you know, I'm a grown man. I have a job. I have responsibilities. Yeah. And I imagine that I will but, find that reflected in your later work as well. So I can connect with it on a different level. And well, I'm, there's that, but then also whatever you hear now, it's not going to be indelible like the stuff that that, that mark your formative years. Right. And then, like, it becomes this thing where, as a DJ, I feel like my responsibility is to put people up on new hip-hop. Mm-hmm. Like, for me, I had this this uh, event, event called Hot Versus Dope. I'm going to try to get back on when uh, when everybody goes out, starts, you know, going to events again. Yeah. Um, where I'm going to play... Mostly new music, a lot of the commercial and trendy and popular stuff that you know, but a lot of the underground indie stuff that you don't get a chance to hear, but that slaps just as hard. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. And that way, and the reason it's important to me is because 
if you're in your formative years, if you're teens and 20s or even 30s, so to speak, and you're hearing these new music, not just on your computer or because somebody tweeted it out or somebody that you're an old school fan of says, hey, check out my new stuff, but because you're at an event, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying, and there's, there's ladies there and there's fellas there and they're intermingling and they're, they're getting to know each other mm-hmm. and they're vibing and they're drinking and they're hearing this music. You're forming new And they memories. don't. Yeah. Exactly. Because my thing is, you go to a party, if it's a quote-unquote real hip-hop party, they're only playing old school. Right. And the reason they're only playing old school is because they feel like the new stuff doesn't represent that ethic of what they call real, mm-hmm. but there's so much real stuff out there, you're just scared to break it and play it because you're trying to cater to a crowd. So you you, you pigeonhole yourself as a DJ into playing old school. Right. So my thing is, you have to... We got to go back to the way, to where the DJ is leading the crowd and not the opposite. Oh, yeah. Because when the crowd's yeah. leading the DJ, that's right. why you hear the same five records on the radio. That's why you hear the... You know what I'm saying? Like, uh-huh. the, that's why... I mean, so that's just that's just the nature of the beast. And I think when I say radio, I could say blogs. I could say... Right you know, internet, whatever. So, uh, can I ask who you're feeling? Like who, who would be some of these new artists that you think people should be checking out? I don't even know if they're new artists so much as just untapped and, and unrecognized. Sure. Um, like I was talking to Quelle Chris on, uh, on Twitter just the other day. He's one. He's so uh, great. yeah. Love his work. Odyssey, homeboy, Sandman, yep. Taron, Aomari, uh, Planet Asia. I mean, there's so many, and then, like new on, Planet on a, Asia that uh, 38 Special produced is so good. Have I you mean, listened to that yet? Yeah, it's like it's so there good. are so many artists, and these are established artists, so you can't call them new. No, totally. But they're gonna be new to a lot of people. Yeah. So my thing is this, and the, and the funny thing is when you look at say like the Double XL freshman class, right? Mm-hmm. There's new artists all the time, but those new artists are making. Music of a certain ethic that represents the youth, mm-hmm. whereas there's also new artists that are making music of a certain ethic for grown-ups, but that is very, very niche and very obscure and very hard to come by because of the the way the attention, uh, uh, the way that the way they the way that attention is dispersed amongst. The industry. It's very, very hard for that. There's no there's no adult contemporary rap uh, atmosphere the way there should be. Yeah, and there should a, be. And there an will be. Term. Yeah. That's a term I think uh, I think Jazzy Jeff coined it, so don't quote me. Okay. Sounds good. <laughs> um that's cool, man. Um very, very interesting. Um so would you say your your primary role in the culture right now, you think of yourself more as a DJ, or do you have like a a sensibility of like being an MC first. Not that it really matters. I'm just curious how you. No, think I think I'm, I think my bread and butter and my breadwinner is always going to be MC. Yeah. Because I'm still going to be touring off of, you know, I've got three or four out of twelve that are like classics. They're not certified gold, but they're certified classics. Mm-hmm. So I'll always have those songs to perform for my age group. Mm-hmm. And fortunately, my age group is still checking for what I do. So I'll always have new songs, too. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, like, really, like, like if people ask me who my GOAT is, I would always say Master Ace. Wow. Interesting. Just because. Consistency and just. Well, consistency and reinvention. Yeah. But not, I can't even call it changing with the times because he hasn't changed. He's grown. 
That's a really I good think way of putting a, it in. The only caveat I want to say is like going from Cold Chillin' to Master Ace Incorporated felt pretty sharp. Right. But since then, but he's especially from Long because Hot Summer forward, he's, he's this elder the statesman. The is there. Like, Disposable yeah, arts. Totally. You know what I'm saying? Like he's got errors. He's kind of like, like you know how you watch the Five Heartbeats? Right. And you see the same group in, in whatever decade they're in, they're going to match that decade. In the 60s, they sound like the 60s. The 70s, they sound like the 70s. The 80s, right. they sound like the 80s. Right. And as a, as a DJ, as a record collector, there's a lot of, you know, like Bob James in the 70s doesn't sound like Bob James <laughs> in the 80s, right? Totally, yeah. So I feel like Master Ace is that in hip-hop. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Like yeah. Every decade, he sounds like that decade or that decade sounds like him, whatever you want to call it. But right. he's just doing him. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's he what had I love that about Brooklyn him. story with Marco Polo last. I think it was last year or the year before. <coughs> yeah, that I was love like that a record. Very solid record. Absolutely, I love that record. Yeah, um, I'm obsessed with his um, project he did over the Doom instrumentals, and it's like it's that the, those later era rhymes uh, with taking a slightly different turn. Uh, Son of Yvonne, I think it's called. Yeah, it's such a great project. And uh, if you ever like, if I had to, if I had to pick an artist to teach somebody how to perform live, it'd be him. Wow. I don't because like, like I'm pretty sure I've never seen him live. I need to remedy that when touring exists again. No, nah, I've I've had the, the the good pleasure to tour with him a couple times. That's awesome. And it's just like you know how what's a all right perfect example. I saw a thing where um, Saquon Barkley from the Giants mm-hmm. when they played against whatever team Adrian Peterson's on, mm-hmm. and Saquon was just like, "Oh my God, Adrian Peterson, yo, I'm such a fan." And he was like, "Yo, I like what you're doing. I see what you're doing." Keep it up. Yeah. It's like the fact, or like uh, when players this season in the NBA would look to like a Vince Carter. Right. You know, not that, you know, not, not Master Ace isn't anywhere near retirement, I hope, but like just the, the, the homage and the respect that it takes a certain, not just dedication, but skill and craftsmanship, but diligence to do it as well as he's done it for so long. You have a lot of artists that are still trying to make music, but they consider themselves old school, so they sound old school. Mm-hmm. And then you have an old school artist who is just like, no, I'm just an artist, and I'm going to show you every time I do it. Yeah. And like, you might, you know, I'm sure there's, there's, I'm sure there's a whole slew of people that had to go back and look up his old stuff just because, you right. know what I mean? So yeah. that's what I aspire to. That's great. Yeah, that's a that's such an interesting take on it, and you're kind of making me think about his career in a different way, and it's 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 extraordinarily impressive. Um, I want to ask you something, and kind of heading towards the end here, um, for someone like me who was like such a huge fan of your early stuff and kind of got stuck there, what's the what's the project from more recently that you would recommend that I and by extension the listeners dive back into to understand your current work? More recently, like how far back can we go? Um, let's say I'm looking at the discography. Anything after then? What happened? Okay, what, and then what happened was 2008, right? Yeah. Okay, so like I'm working on a project right now. I don't know if it's gonna be a playlist or a full vinyl album, but I'm calling it 2010s. Mm-hmm. And it just kind of represents everything from the last 10 years, like a decade, the nice. decade, the 2010s. Yeah. So within the span of that project, we have, see, I would say Around the Sun, Spitter, His Own Self, 
I would send people to Around the Sun to kind of set the tone okay. because I feel like I'm still sort of in that wheelhouse. Okay. And I feel like that record sort of exemplifies the decade and kind of set the tone for it. That's awesome. And I'm seeing some DBRP favorites like Homeboy Sandman, Tanya Morgan mm-hmm. in here. I'm, right, I'm going to throw yep. this on right, right when we get off the phone and I do this Zoom call for my day job. <laughs> yep, 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 for sure. Oh, man. Um, thank you so much for joining me. It was a real pleasure to talk to you. Um, I'm going to tell you one really quick story, and just because I have you on the phone and I'm a nerd like sure. this. There was a night. <laughs> in san francisco probably close to 20 years ago and you were playing a small show uh in was the it back milk of, uh, was it, it wasn't American milk it was the um it was poland storyville storyville yeah okay wow were, so wait storyville you said 20 years ago yeah something like that i was in college that's 1999 yeah i was uh that was gavin sessions 1999 okay so i um i was in a bad mood but i still roscos was there who was it Roscos performed as well? Yep. Okay. Yeah, I remember that night. Um, I was in a bad mood, and you were doing, like, kind of a freestyle and um, uh, DJing at the same time. I don't think you were doing bragging rights. And I I was standing near to the front of the stage, and I had my arms folded, and I was kind of just had, like, a mean look on my face. And you, like, like pointed, and you were like, you know, like, this guy, he's got the arms folded with the look. And I'm like, oh, fuck, dude, he just called me out. And then, I remember that. You do? Okay. I just like. <laughs> I nerd. remember that. I didn't remember. I didn't remember who it was. Yeah. But no. I, I, I mean, can, you, would, like, you didn't know me. I was just day. some little white kid who probably like just sitting oh, there, that's like with funny. my arms crossed, like an idiot, because I was funny. just in a bad mood for no reason. I'm sure. Probably didn't like. That is so funny. I gotta tell you a story now, show. though. Please. On a strength for that, right? Yeah. So, I had a court date in Philly. I was living in Philly at the time. And I had a show that night in upstate New York, I think. Okay. Somewhere, somewhere, somewhere north. Yeah, I want, maybe upstate New York. Maybe uh, I don't know. I gotta really think about it because I might have, might have even whatever. Point is, I had to fly. <laughs> okay. Um, I went straight to the airport from court. I was wearing a suit. Uh, I, I land. The people pick me up. They say, hey, we got to get you straight to the stage. You're not even going to have time to go to the hotel. Oh, wow. You're not going to have time to change. <laughs> I'm opening for Wyclef. Wow. It's a college show. It's a like a big, you know, like wherever the, wherever the school plays basketball, it's in that place. Uh, Syracuse? No, no, I'm saying like wherever. Oh, I the, see, I see. I but like it's in there. It's in it's there. It's in the gym, yeah. Yes, in their big gym, right? It's huge. It's it's not huge, but it's it's big. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it wasn't a D one school, put yeah. it like that. But um show was going great. Wyclef was amazing. He's doing his set. Now, mind you, my DJ had to meet me there. Oh my god. So my DJ's there, I'm there, I'm in a suit. I do my show in the suit. <laughs> and I kinda liked it. I've never done a show in a suit before. Yeah. I was like, yo, this is this is really fresh. I enjoy this. You know, women are looking at me different in the front. Right. This is fun. <laughs> 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 so after my performance, Wyclef's killing it. And he's doing everything from the carnival. Yeah. Then he says, Okay, we're gonna take you to the carnival now. And he starts doing the soca thing and the and the compa and all of that. And mm-hmm. he's like talking to the crowd like look i need you guys to really act your age we're in college you guys are supposed to be having fun blah 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 a song later he's like look 
I need you guys to be a little more lively. I see some people in, you know, just around here that aren't really enjoying the carnival. <laughs> he does another song. Then he's like, all right, look. There's always one guy that's too cool for school and wants to act all hard and stuff. <laughs> and when everybody's around him, he's partying. And then he has a spotlight and puts the spotlight. And, like, the spotlight goes straight over me. Oh, my goodness. So I'm looking at him like Michael Jackson with my hands are like, what? I've been dancing this whole time. What are you talking about? <laughs> and I'm like, hell no. <laughs> You're just picking on me because I got a suit on, right? And he literally says, no, 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 not you, him. And I turn around, and my DJ's, like, chilling on the wall. Uh, <laughs> that's hilarious. Oh, we would, we were dying. That's so funny. <laughs> We were dying. Well, what so goes anyway, around that was... comes around. That's awesome, man. Thank you for sharing <laughs> that with me. Uh, for sure, man. Yeah, very cool to chop it up with you. Thank you so much for uh, for doing the show. And um, yeah, man, uh, just we're gonna kind of just keep an eye on you, retweet stuff from you, and just like um, you know, continue to follow your um, long and incredible career. Thank you, man. I'm working on an instrumental record as we speak. It's just a little overdue. It's called. Uh... Solar Facts. It should be coming out in the next couple of weeks. Awesome. Looking forward to that. And uh, yeah, man, um, thank you. And um, yeah, just uh, can't tell you how much I appreciate it. I've been looking forward to talking to you for a long time. Thank you, man. Appreciate right. it. Take care of yourself. You too. Peace. Peace. Dad Bod Rap Pod, we're here with producer, MC, and one of the people who is putting out a ton of great music right now. His name is 38 Special. 38, how you doing? What's going on, man? Doing good. Um, so how you surviving the, the quarantine times? Are you safe? Is your family safe? Like, what's going on with that? Yeah, I'm safe, man. Staying healthy, man. You know, just boosting my immune system every day and staying in the house. Good to hear. Good to hear. Same here. Um, are you able to work on music or is it like kind of just family time? Like, how are you passing the time? I'm actually just relaxing and stuff. I'm, I'm, I'm able to work on music, but I haven't been working this last week. I'm usually an everyday music type of person. I took like the last five, six days off, but I'm about to get back to work. Nice. Yeah. I mean, with the just sheer amount of releases you've had come out um, this year as a producer, we can tell you're on that everyday grind, but um, you got to take time to reflect and, uh, you know, build it back up. Definitely. So if you don't mind, I'd love to start with the album that first caught my ear of yours, and that was um, Son of G-Rap. I'm a huge Cool G-Rap fan. I just re-listened to the album this morning to kind of refresh my memory and what stood out to me, which I don't know if I particularly noticed at the time is like you had such amazing guest production on there. Alchemist showbiz Pete rock. It just like it, the whole album is incredible. Can you kind of tell us how you conceived of that record and how you went about putting it together with such illustrious kind of cohorts? Well, you know, I, I started the project. I still had the concept before I 
<clears throat> came up with the project. Um, and I just wanted to make it a powerful project. So I just reached out to the producers I grew up listening to and slowly started putting it together. And, you know, reached out to the rappers I grew up listening to and, you know, put it together. Right on. Um, what struck you about working with G-Rap? Did you guys get together in the studio or were you emailing verses or how did the, the kind of the every, back and forth with you guys go? Every record me and G did, we did in the studio together. That's awesome. You know, yeah, we kind of did the old school approach, you know what I'm saying? It fed off each other energy and it was dope and shit, man. That's why, you know, that project sounded like that because we was actually together. I like to do music like that, actually, in the studio with the artists and feed off the energy as opposed to email and shit. Yeah, you can you can catch that um, vitality, I guess you would say. It comes across as so much more live than when people are, um, you know, circum cir cir certain circumstances like the ones we find ourselves in might uh, lend themselves to collaborating in a different way. But it's good when everyone can get in the studio together. Um, how about um, Stabbed and Shot? Like, how did you and Benny come up with that, and um, how did you end up building that project? Well, me and Benny always had a chemistry. We always been making music for over ten years and shit since mid two thousands, and um, we decided to uh, <clears throat> make a joint project, you know, to show our chemistry. You know what I'm saying? And uh, we knocked it out in probably like a week, wow. two weeks. Yeah, about I think it was four studio sessions. Honestly, about four studio sessions, we knocked that project out. Yeah, and, uh, it was the same thing, man. We got together and uh, every record, man. We got great chemistry. We feed off each other energy, and uh, you know, we bring the best out of each other. Yeah, um, it's really evident on that project. I really love the moments when you when you really break down the bars and go back and forth. That I think that's what makes that one special. And then something I've always wanted to ask you about is the intro on that album I've, I've found that to be a piece that i've referenced often and i think it's something that um perhaps i didn't realize what a good writer you had become um until i really listened to that there's a there's a kind of um i don't know like a a novelistic quality um that i'm always looking for in hip-hop uh to that intro um where you're talking about the street lights and like um, do you remember writing that piece, or was there anything in particular? I actually didn't write. I actually didn't write that piece. That's actually a poet on there named Tears. Okay. That I, yeah, and um, he's actually on the beginning of Paper Trail as well. Okay. On that gotcha. But, Thank um, you for clarifying yeah, that for me. Yeah. So, like, you know, nah. He actually, when I heard that, I heard that a while ago on an old mixtape that was locally. Just that poem. Just that poem. And it was acapella. And when I heard it, I knew that I wanted to use it for something powerful. So I actually chopped it up okay. and placed it at the beginning of the intro to actually give the um, album that feel that it gave. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. And, yeah, it really sets the tone. And then um, I, I found it to be so seamless, I thought it was you. So it <laughs> makes sense. Right. Um, right on. Yeah. And then it seems like that album, like, it, it's. It, do you consider it to be a mixtape or an album? I consider it to be an album because it's all original music. Yeah, it um but it seems like I have it with the different cover um and then like later it seems like you guys added on different cover art and the vinyl actually just fairly recently came out so it seems like it's had a little bit of a shelf life and had a had time for people to like sit and marinate with it and it's like kind of um it's still relevant is um 
what it seems to me, but you're you're the man who made it. Like, can you tell us anything about that, or do do you just take the opportunities nah, as they come along? Yeah, definitely. I think it's still relevant and it's still growing. You know, it's it's still growing and it's still people that's actually haven't heard it surprisingly, and it's getting people that's finding out about it every day. You know, and that's what actually slowed us down from putting out the second one because we want to make sure the first one get its proper look. You okay. know what I'm saying? Yeah, good to and, hear uh, that there's a second volume on the way. Is that is that pretty much done? Uh, yeah, pretty much. Nice, definitely. Um, would you say? And I'm not from this part of the world. I don't really understand the internal politics or anything of it at all. Like, is there an, a natural affinity with Rochester artists and Buffalo artists, or is it kind of a rivalry? Or is there anything you can tell me and, by extension, the other fans about like how that works? Well, hmm. I don't really know. I can only speak on like just me and the artists that I work with. Like I did a lot of recording in Buffalo from out of my earlier days. So I always had a good relationship with Buffalo artists. We always worked together. Um, you know, and it was just a lot of talent, you know what I'm saying, between both of those cities up up there. It was we never really had no resources or no opportunity to get heard. Mm-hmm. So our hunger our hunger was just like you know, on a different level, we always had something to prove because we never had a shot. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. So, you know, it was a lot. It's a lot of talent up there in both of those cities and in, in, in that whole area. You know, for so, sure. Yeah, and I think the world is finally starting to find out. It's really interesting. Um, obviously, led by the Griselda camp, and then there's just so many other artists doing really interesting music. Um, I always feel like there's a, I don't know, I don't want to say a harshness, but kind of like a hunger to the to the music like a striving that i hear in the raps um and i think it it's born of that kind of lack of opportunities that you find like you're in new york but not the new york that people think of that uh when they're thinking of hip-hop so something else i'd love to cover another thing i wanted to make sure that i listened to today and um i'm just gonna say this and you can tell me if you think it's true or not i think that a bullet for every heathen your full-length collaboration with ghost Big Ghost Limited might be your best work as an MC. Well, it's crazy that you say that, man, because I laid that record in a day, wow. right? And 24 hours, I made that whole project. Wow. And I wrote Sunday School Verse that same night. Wow. Um, That was a hell of a day. Me personally, <laughs> uh, that, you know, hmm, I, it's hard to say, man. You know, I know that... I said a lot of slick stuff on that tape, uh-huh. you know, and MC wise, I know I said a lot of slick stuff, but being I made it so fast, I never really looked at it as some of my best work. But I, I, the responses I got from it, I guess, you know, I would have to say that it, it, it just might be. Yeah, uh, that's fascinating. I'm, I, I would love to hit a role writing like that someday and in 24 hours put out something that will last the test of time. So that's that's very impressive. <laughs> Um, so I want to talk about 1994, um, very interesting concept for a record. And again, I'm just going to say what I think about it. And I would love it if you could tell me what you were thinking about and how you went about piecing this together. So the concept, as far as I can tell, is you wanted to work with all of these new school MCs and do homage tracks to some of the great hip hop records that came out in 1994, but they're not covers. Um, if I understand, you took the boards and you produced kind of versions of the beats, and then you had people write completely new verses. Is that 
how that works? De- definitely. Okay. Exactly how that works. So how did, where did that come from? Was it something you'd been thinking about for a while or like, um, were you just inspired by the great music of that time? Like, can you give us a little insight into how that came together? Yeah, well, 20, 1994 was a dope year of hip hop and I realized it was the 25th anniversary of it and I wanted to do something for it. And so, you know, it started off with me just doing one record, you know, and uh, then I was like, I might as well just do a whole project. So I started off recreating the beats and just uh, getting the MCs on it and putting it out. So I said I want, it's something that I wanted to do, you know, for the rest of the 90s. So this year I'm going to do 95 because it's 25th year anniversary. Oh, nice. That. That's awesome. Yeah, definitely. Do you feel like um, people responded well to that project and do you feel like people got it? Um, not, not all the way that they should have. Yeah. I feel like, you know, uh, it's got people going to catch up to it. I feel like 1995, uh, bring light to it. You know, when I put that out, it'll bring light to the previous one. Yeah. That, that, that sounds about right to me. I, I, you know, we, our, not job, but our hobby here is to talk about rap music. And I feel like I keep a pretty good ear out for at least in the kind of underground rap nerd sphere that we operate in what people are talking about. And that one didn't seem to really pierce into the conversation in a way that I thought it would, but uh, perhaps as you're saying, if you make it a series, then people will go back and be like, Oh, I didn't, I didn't quite get it at first, but now I'm understanding where he's going with this. Um, So I'd love to talk about the, and again, please correct me if I'm wrong. This is just how I'm seeing it from where I sit. You, you kind of did took this winter, to put out a series of EPs that you produced fully for other artists. There's um, Shea Noir, there's Planet Asia. Um, I know I'm forgetting. Um, El, Camino. El Camino. El Camino, thank you. Um, Definitely. Is, was that a, a purposeful like um, move on your part to just be like, okay, now I'm going to show off the producer chops. I'm going to give yeah. them all in, a week, uh, all in this short period of time. It kind of reminded me of the seven song EPs uh, Kanye did a couple of summers ago, just in terms of construction of like, okay, it's shorter projects with bigger names and um, it has a rhythm to the release. Was that part of your thinking at all? Or was it completely separate from that? It was completely separate from that. What it was, it was like, I'm overloaded with work. And uh, before this Corona shit hit, I was planning on releasing something every week. And uh, I just slowed down a little bit because of this whole quarantine thing. But, you know, I work a lot and i have a lot of music to come out so expect a whole lot of releases throughout this year okay good to hear um can we just go through a little bit and just like can you tell me kind of like what you like about or how you ended up connecting with or like a little bit of a story about let's start with el camino like what's your guys like where did you meet and how did you decide to have do this ep with him i met el camino on the road with benny and uh I liked it as grind. I liked it as hustle. And uh, I watched him start to grow as an artist. And I seen something in him. I seen a, uh, his, a strong work ethic. And I knew he had potential to be great. So I wanted to sit down and work with him. So we locked in and started making records. And uh, we have a few projects, honestly. Okay. Martin Prayer is the first one. So. Nice. Yeah. Um, what about Shay Noir? What can you tell us about her? Shay Noir is amazing. She reached out to me a couple about a year and a half ago and uh sent me some music 
and I, I signed her about two, three days later, and uh, she's been showing improvement since then. You know. Yeah, absolutely. That uh, that that EP is special. I really like a couple of the tracks on there. And then, um, you and Planet Asia is an interesting, um, kind of team up, like different coasts, um, slightly different approaches, I think. But what did, what did you find that you had in common that you wanted to work together? We were very, we were both hip hop heads, real fans of the culture, and you know, me and Planet Asia met each other through. Um, mutual friends and uh, <clears throat> we just had the same morals when it came to music you know what I'm saying and it just made sense to actually work together so we just started working together nice yeah that uh, that EP is really good I think I think um, if it holds throughout the year you're gonna see that on a lot of year-end lists and that's that's the kind of project that really um, got people to take notice um, of what you're doing um, you kind of talked alluded to the fact that you have a lot of other work coming out like are you trying to balance um between production and rhyming on things yourself or do you just kind of take it on a project by project basis or like i guess the question that i really want to ask you is like what do you think of yourself as are you a rapper who produces or a producer who raps or just a hip-hop figure or how do you think about that it's crazy because it, by in my heart I'm really a rapper that produces, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, um, I have to balance. There's only so many rap projects I could put out within the year, and there's only so many raps that I could put out within a short period of time without oversaturating myself. Mm-hmm. I could produce for everybody. I could produce for a, a different artist every day. And still put out music, you know what I'm saying? So I just find the balance, but I'm really a rapper, you know what I mean? Yeah. That just understands music. Absolutely. Um, can you give us any hint about um, kind of what, what might be coming next? I, I know you've, you've got further volumes with a couple of different people, but is there anything that might surprise people? Mm, not right now, I, you know. <laughs> Not right now. No worries, but, no worries. I'm trying. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah. Cool, man. Um, yeah, that, those were kind of the questions that I wanted to ask. Um, I just, I want to just say while I have you on the phone, like, I think what you're doing right now is really impressive, important. Um, you're, you're one of the leading figures in this kind of, uh, the hip hop thing right now. And like, you're, you're killing it, man. So just, I wanted to say, I appreciate the art. I appreciate you acknowledging that. And, um, I appreciate y'all having me on the show, you know? Absolutely. Um, cool, man. Maybe when you put out another of these couple hundred projects, we will, uh, we will check back in with (laughs) you. Uh, appreciate the insight and the behind the scenes view and, uh, just hope you guys stay safe and, uh, we'll come out the other side of this, uh, this pandemic and, uh, we'll keep listening. Yeah. I appreciate y'all, man. Y'all make sure y'all stay safe out there. Okay. Thanks, Fesh. All right, bro. peace. Peace.
So uh, Dad Bod Rap Pod, you can follow us on Twitter for lively conversations at Dad Bod Rap Pod. Uh, check us out on Instagram uh, at Dad Bod Rap Pod. Uh, maybe we should do podcast battles on Instagram. Maybe, oh, maybe that's coming up. Where's Call Out Culture at? Everybody gets a three-hour block, and you have to talk about your spiciest topics. And uh, oh, if anybody's awake at the at the end, you you've won. If you have one follower on the video, you you are the best. Um, so yeah, we're we're in those spaces. You can check us out um, on kiki.co.uk. That is our official uh, UK syndication partner. We are also part of the Pantheon Podcast Network. Um, shout out to Pantheon and the 50-plus shows that are on Pantheon. Please check some of them out when you have All music pods and from various different aspects of it. Um, Want to give a shout out to The House List. They are, uh, they are on our team now, and they run an interesting – they did years of – interviews with hip-hop figures there's a good one with godfather don i'm like how the how did you get godfather don um yeah. and they also now host uh, guest mixes by interesting cats from from the kind of world that we come from of um hip-hop so um yeah that among many other shows on pantheon podcast network our new partner yeah man these these dildo ads don't come from nowhere so <laughs> Um, so yeah, definitely rock with us, Dad Bod Rap Pod. We appreciate all the comments, all the feedback, um, everything, man. We love y'all. Hopefully, you're staying safe, healthy, sane, um, and we we go ride it out, man. We go ride it out.